It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. If anybody in their right mind is worried about Jalen Brunson translating the next level, then they didn't watch him play. I believe their team is destiny, man. I really do not think that they're going to be denied. Whether it's the fight Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the Process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. Stop feeding John me to car bombs. Run the ball, control the clock, don't do anything stupid. And John Mita. Kids out there, make sure you practice your free throws. Dear God, give me an interview with the Eagle Scouting Department. I know I can do better. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. What is good? Joe Donald, John Mina here with you. Always a pleasure. A weekly podcast these days in the uh, summertime. So glad to bring you another piece of content to chew on over the next couple of days. We'll have a live and in-person podcast uh, maybe a week or two from now, Johnny Mita. Location to be determined. Could be your basement. Could be your attic. Who knows? Could be Citizens Bank Park. How are you, brother? I'm doing well, man. I'm just happy. I'm feeling, whew, I'm feeling like a gorilla has been lifted off the team of the 76ers right now. Yeah, so I'm feeling let's start good. there. Let's start there. We will talk about the Eagles' reverse invitation, the the invitation retraction from uh, the White House. We'll talk um, about the fact that we could have a couple of championships handed down in, in the next matter of hours in the NBA and NHL. Uh, we'll also each have our rant. And, uh, yeah, a lot more to get into here on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at BelovePodcast. Uh, but let's start with the news today that finally a decision has been made by the 76ers. They part ways with President of Basketball Operations, Brian Colangelo. We talked about it last week. His uh, Those Twitter burner accounts, those kind of ghost accounts that were tweeting stuff, sometimes private about the Sixers organization, uh, Sixers organization but always in defense of Brian Colangelo. Story broke. He was involved. Turns out at least what we're getting now is that it was his wife, and now he's no longer with the Sixers organization. Uh, from a Philly-based perspective, you were in the market the last few weeks, while this uh, last week or so while this story unfolded, John Mita. What was it like, and what's your take on all this now that he is gone? Well, I, I just don't think there was one person in the right mind, even if he wasn't the co-op, the author, the person behind these exact accounts. If it turned out to be his wife or someone from his family or someone that he hired that, you know, sharing this type of important information that should be just shared amongst people in the organization, and that's it, that he should remain as general manager. The bottom line is this. Once the accounts came out, the information came out, it was like, he's got to go. The players will never trust him again. And what's the big theme of this 76ers over the last the hanky, right? The the trust, the process. Well, the the trust was violated here is what it comes down to. Another crazy thing is, I'm sure you didn't have the opportunity to see the, the press conference, but they didn't alert the owner. Josh Harris didn't even know that this, that this story was going to drop from the ringer until the day of. Wow. So Brian Colangelo 
and, and, and the Sixers PR department got wind of this like a week before, and they didn't even tell the owner that this was about to drop. I guess they were going into damage control. Yeah. Then you hear reports tonight or today that Jerry Colangelo, the father, was trying to save his son's job, and he was going to sever relationships around the league and try to badmouth the Sixers, who was specifically brought in by the NBA to be an ethical leader of the organization moving forward, and now he's making threats and he's going to blow everything up because his son was a straight dumbass. But I think the wife here, I think she's the total fall guy. I think it was like, here's the deal, wifey. I knew you had these accounts going, whatever, because the three accounts got shut down immediately when they got wind of the report. He admitted to one, then the other, it just... It just stinks, man. This just stinks. Even today, he disputes the report. He just said that this was simply a case, a misguided case of his wife trying to defend, you know, her husband. And and bottom line is, I don't know how much he knew about it, but finally, I think after a nice thorough investigation, they made the right move. The question is, what do they do now? Well, they've already implemented that Brett Brown, he will now become the general manager that kind of shared that news. We did sign him the extension. I know this broke out, but we did sign him the extension. They also said that they hired Monty Williams to be an assistant coach. He was a good assistant coach throughout the NBA, has had coaching experience. He unfortunately lost his wife in a fatal car accident. I think he'll be a great addition to the staff. And it's time to move on with who is going to be the next general manager for the Philadelphia 76ers. They're going to, they're going to, Josh Harris said today that they're going to look in-house at some candidates and also possibly look outhouse. David Griffin, okay? Yep. He is the yep. name on everyone's list. The guy won a championship when he was in Cleveland. LeBron had nothing but high praise. Even if LeBron doesn't come here, he's probably still the natural fit because he was able to put together a championship program in Cleveland. So he would be the first call I make, number one. First call. Is this career and, suicide for Brian Colangelo? Does he ever work in pro basketball well, again? Well, here's the deal. So instead of the Sixers saying that they, you know, they didn't actually fire him, okay? So he resigned, right? So that kind of saves a little face. I, I don't know what he could possibly do. I, I really don't. The other thing is why they, you know, were so hesitant to make this decision is because everybody had to hire, you know, had to lawyer up, had to had to talk with their legal teams to figure out. Okay, so I think his wife probably took the bullet because he's like, well, if I can blame it on my wife, right, then, honey, he could still probably salvage half of my salary. But if I own up to it, then that's probably conduct detrimental to the team, and I probably won't get a nickel. So we're going to be in deep trouble. You're probably going to have to take a couple less, you know, fitness classes, you know, maybe a less couple trips around the world, something like that. But um, I'm just glad they made the right move because, Joe, we kind of talked about this off air. It was just lingering. Then there's some crazy reports coming out, like, well, the 76ers believe he didn't do it, that his wife was behind him. Could he salvage his job? But they totally made the right decision here. And, boy, it's Josh Harris. Oh, my God. If he listens to this guy at the press conference, so I don't know how this guy is like a billionaire because he is – it's like listening to a drone. So hopefully he doesn't listen to this episode. But, man, <laughs> he is boring to listen to. But there were some questions at the press conference say that, got out that didn't get answered. Like, okay, do you know who the source – who let the cat out of the bag? Was this somebody within the organization? They never covered any of that. 
And they really never put the host of blame on his wife. They kind of just said that he was part of it. Right. So it was like kind of guilt by association type deal. I just feel, I mean, look, if it was, if say it wasn't his wife, real quick, all right? Say it was Brian Colangelo, and he was that paranoid and that sensitive to the whole situation, and it was him, and he had to use his wife as a scapegoat. I, I just feel terrible for that family now. Like, where's his wife going to be able to go in her circle of people, you know? I don't know if they have yeah. kids in school, but but it's just it's just a bad look all around. And if his career is over now at the you know at, at least in North American pro basketball, and he's got again to yeah. another line of work, I don't know what his financial situation is. I'm sure he's way better off than most. But I mean, uh, he he can he can ride daddy's coattails. Yeah. Derek Colangelo has you know, several businesses out in Arizona. I, I don't think we need to feel sorry yeah. for this guy. Well, I, just, I mean, just more for the family, I guess, is what I'm getting at. No, I'm with him. You know, I and, can understand you that. Know, especially if if he was dumb enough to have a part in this and then scapegoats his family, that's just not a good look for anybody. Let's be honest there. And if it was his wife, I mean, and he really didn't know, then it's an awkward dinner conversation every night for who knows how long. So um, we'll we'll see what happens next with the Sixers. But I agree. David Griffin, got to be a first phone call, uh, especially if you're trying to recruit King James at some point. Yeah, I mean, the one thing is like the the inclination that he just had no idea about it. The information was so detailed, Joe. So we all talked about it. Dude, listen, I mean, you can forget all that. The second the accounts were deleted moments after they were made aware of the report that was about to drop, that says it all. Yeah. You know? Well, the other thing is she wiped her phone clean before she handed it to investigators. Yeah. So Weird. Weird. Yeah. Shocked by all that. Tom, <laughs> Tom Brady um, like. All right. On another uh, controversial Philadelphia sports front, our uh, world <laughs> champion Philadelphia Eagles were uninvited to the White House after making it clear yeah. only a small faction of the team was going to show up. Um, yeah. Malcolm Jenkins, Chris Long, the usual outspoken leaders took umbrage with it because there were community events in the area planned. And then it became like a pissing contest between the White House and an NFL football team. And I just, I understand how that happens because of who's in charge of our country right now. But I still don't understand realistically how this would ever take place in like anything other than fantasy world. Where you have the highest political power, arguably in the world, like tweeting at and releasing press release statements, bashing an organization and a group of players and athletes over a visit to a building which has nothing to do with their accomplishments on the field. I understand it's been tradition, but who cares? I mean, if the Eagles didn't want to make the trip, if only certain players wanted to make the trip, move on, have the visit. He's uh, Trump is so worried about his own look and his own ego and how he feels about everything that he has to make it like he's a six-year-old. Well, if you don't want to be here, we don't want you here. Like, And then he tries to have some side celebration you, you, you know, with the fans that the Eagles were unloyal to their fans and they ditched their fans and how could they do this for the fans? Trust me, you don't have to worry about the fans being upset anytime soon at the Philadelphia Eagles until at least September the 6th, all right, when the regular season starts. From now until then, grace period and maybe even beyond then. So this whole situation was just wacky. Can't believe it got to this level. Good for the Eagles for holding holding true to what they wanted to do as an organization and honestly, good for Jeffrey Lurie and the rest of the front office to sort of, it appears on the surface, to back the team's decision. Well, let me start here. Like we we've been bouncing this this conflict back for the last couple of weeks on this show. Some people on the team definitely wanted to go. Some people in the organization definitely wanted to go. But the one thing we that we that we've seen with this team is they're always been on a united front. Yep. So as a team, they came together, they made a decision, 
You respect their decision. If it was me, like I said before, I totally go, whatever, just to see the history. I don't care who the damn president is. I just want to see the White House, how things operate and whatever. You want and the free meal, it. dude. Let's be honest. You want the ordinary Yeah, and the, yeah, the free meal. Free meal. Maybe I, you know, maybe apprehend something from one of the famous rooms. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I, I definitely like to take advantage of that piece of history. And it, it, it's just been a tradition. That so many teams over the past, and like, not that social issues weren't this bad, or like, listen, all these issues have been prevalent for the last, I don't know, 50, 80 years. Good point. They're all there. Yep. Now, have they been increased or have they been more out in the open? Yes. Yeah, we've seen that with the protests and whatever. But listen, I do respect. The only thing I don't respect is the fact that Jeffrey Lurie, he made Doug Peterson go out there, and you knew the Philadelphia media was going to fire all these questions, not about OTAs and mini camps, but oh, well, who made the decision not to go? Well, who wanted to go? Who, right. who didn't want to go? No, that's a valid point. That, Jeff- shouldn't, that shouldn't be Doug's. They, that shouldn't be right. Doug's. And they did, right. They did make a statement as a team, but. Maybe Jeffrey Lurie should say, listen, you know, we just stand with our players. This is, this is the decision that they have come to. We respect them for that. And now we're just getting ready to defend our title, and that's that. Lastly, on the Philadelphia controversial scale, Jesus, the Philadelphia, I know, the Philadelphia Phillies and their, uh, I guess you could argue, ace pitcher Jake Arrieta had some comments after the series um, over the weekend where they were – you know, they didn't play great baseball. Shut out twice by the Giants. Their only run in the finale came from an Arietta home run, and it was not a good series as they were swept by the San Francisco Giants, a team that they had taken four straight from in Philly earlier already this season. Uh, Arietta spoke up. He was critical of himself to some extent, critical of the manager and the defensive shifts, critical of the effort, said it was a horse bleep series. I felt like, you know what, even though this guy's only been around – Six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it's been. He's a world champion. Uh, you brought him in for a reason. You know, should this maybe have gone behind closed doors, clubhouse type talk? Maybe. But, hey, heat of the moment, pissed off about a series, I had no problem with it. You? I totally agree. I mean, this is what this guy was brought here to do, right? Be that veteran presence on such a young team on every aspect, between the pitching staff, between young players. I, I kind of feel like he thought maybe the team was like feeling themselves because they were playing so well and they were playing above expectations. And he was just upset about it and he got pissed off. The one thing that I do disagree is, and I know he called out the manager. Yes, that could be something that could be behind closed doors. But coaches and managers have been known to call out their players in the media. It's not like this is a first occurrence. The one thing I didn't like is he literally put Scott Kingery's name all over it and called him out directly. And the guy is trying to kind of learn a couple different positions. And let's keep in mind, he's also a rookie, okay? So he's not going to know everything right now. So the one thing about this situation that just bothered me a little bit is the fact that he just didn't take Scott Kingery aside himself. Now, in all accounts, it turns out they've had discussions. They've kind of, you know, strained things out. But other than that, and I don't mind him calling out the manager because how many people in the, uh, how many fans, how many people in the media have called out the manager? You know, we love the shift. However, we're the worst shifting team in baseball. Something's got to change here. Now, granted, like I said, I think the best teams that 
to move forward and have this progression are the ones that keep things in-house, like we saw with the Eagles. They had some turmoil going on all the time, and they just kept it in-house and stayed together. So, But I don't really have that much of a problem with it. I just thought maybe he could have handled it a better way as far as you know, bringing it out to the public. Well said. You're bringing it today, my friend. I love it here on the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud uh, yeah, and iTunes. I'm, yeah, I'm going to bring my rant. Yeah, oh, I know. my God. I know. You've been fired uh, up about this rant for days. Oh, my uh, God. Follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast. <sighs> uh, on the national scene, we are moments away possibly from a couple of championships. I think we both agree it's a foregone conclusion. Warriors leading 3-0. They will win the NBA title again. In the National Hockey League, by the time most of you catch this episode of the Brotherly Love Podcast, the Washington Capitals may have it all sewn up. They lead three games to one. Game five is tonight. Vegas took game one. They haven't won since. Uh, did the long layoff hurt them? I think so. Meaning between the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final. Because again, they weren't very good in game one, but they got the win. Washington has controlled the play for the most part. They've had a response every time they've needed one. Their stars have been stars. They've gotten good goaltending. They've gotten traffic to the front of the net. They've been the more physical team. And for the most part, Vegas has looked like a team you'd expect in its first year, which is a bit overmatched. I'm surprised by this. I thought Vegas would win the series given everything they had going for them. Right now, though, the Caps and Alexander Ovechkin are 60 minutes away from a Stanley Cup. Again, by the time most of you hear this, it could be not, could be over. Um, I think Vegas can win tonight, extend the series back to D.C. for Game 6. But what did we learn, John Mita, about the NBA and, and the uh, Stanley Cup and the NHL now that we're moments away from a championship in both sports? Well, I mean, if you look on paper, who are the more talented teams, right? So the Capitals, you would honestly say that they're probably a more talented team than Vegas. Just like the Golden State Warriors are tremendously a more talented team than the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing is that I think once Washington figured out how to be so physical, I didn't think that Vegas was looking for that type of – I think the East, and you see it more than I do, is a more physical conference than the West is. You're the hockey guy, so you would know better than me. But once Washington started getting it together, they just took off. And, boy, man, I don't even know – I was just surprised how well – Washington has played at home these last couple of games. Yeah, and, just... but look, and, and I talked about the end of the Tampa Bay series. I mean, they were down three two to Tampa. That series could have been over. Yeah. They took game six and seven. They've taken three of four now. I mean, you do the math. That's five impressive wins for them in their last six outings um, at, at the game's highest level. So I think they've been very impressive. Uh, quickly, I just want to say this on the NBA. Look, LeBron's gone. Uh, for a while, I thought maybe he'd stay as the regular season was moving on. Where else would he go? It's clear Cleveland can't compete with what they've got. So unless they're going to convince him a total rebuild is going down and he's okay with that, I don't see any way he stays, especially given the fact it appears that his relationship with owner Dan Gilbert isn't that great. So uh, Warriors blow out the Cavs, sweep them, whatever it is. Bron Bron be gone. Uh, he gone. He gone, all right. Hey, just the question is, and where is he going to go? All these reports are surfacing. Uh, the L.A. entertainment industry, he's headed out there. He can own the world, you know, bringing Showtime back to the Lakers. Like, give me a break. My whole thing is this. I think it comes down to two teams. I don't even think it, the Lakers are an equation. It comes down to Houston and Philadelphia. And the other equation is how can everyone fit everyone in money-wise? But, you know, Houston's ready to win. But again, going out west, you're going to take more of a beating. If you come to Philadelphia, 
it's an easier road, easier path, and you can still be the king. When you join forces with CP3 and James Harden in Houston, you're just another one of their great players. But if you come to Philadelphia, you're the guy that plays alongside two great young talent. So my thing is get David Griffin on the airplane tonight, take him to Del Frisco's, get it done, and then let's move forward with the recruitment process. Lastly, you wanted the rant. I'll let you start because you're fired up. 60 seconds. Give me your rant. I'm so fired up. Oh, my God. Okay, all the pedestrians on their phone in the city of Philadelphia. Okay, look at the street signs and learn how to cross the damn street. (laughs) And I don't want you shuffling your hands at me, looking at me like I'm the bad guy when I have the damn right away. Okay, I don't want to have to get out of my car and show you the rules of how things are done. But this idiot on his phone jumped in front of a car in front of me, making a left on 10th Street, spent a lot of time in Philly these days. And then I thought, all right, he's just going to stay put. Does he stay put? Oh, no. Then he jumps in front of my car, and he's flailing his hands like I'm the one that did something wrong. So then I politely pulled up. Rolled down my window and voiced my displeasure with him. But my God, people, pedestrians, okay, I get it. You want to be on the phone. You want to text somebody. You want to listen to your walk, man. Just pay attention. I love it. I'm not even going to try and follow that. I'm just going to say my rant was the Phillies need a damn closer. I've been saying it, kind of hinting at it last few episodes when we talked Phillies. uh, No more uh, apparent to me than the Grand Slam given up by Adam Morgan, that loser. All right, why is Adam Jason Morgan Hayward? in the ninth inning? Why does he ever pitch a ninth inning? Isn't he the long, the long reliever? Here. He didn't present himself. Did he present himself that beautifully last night? I got, I got with the... that meatball, that meatball that he threw down the turnpike to hey. Jason Hayward. I got, oh, I got the perfect bumper right. music to end this program. Great, and a little back, lo- a little back loser. For Adam Morgan. <laughs> All right, yeah, Adam Morgan. And, and, and the losers that try to walk the streets of Philadelphia. There we go. You brought it. I'll try and be better next time. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast for John Mita, Joe O'Donnell. Go Phils. Until next time, we'll see Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.